The sermon goes on. Olympic athletes, concert musicians, gourmet chefs. Uh, I had Don at the early service. Theater actors, directors, artists. I could go on and on. Masters at their craft. They devote hard work, commitment, and years to get to be the best that they can be at their chosen profession, their chosen trade, their art, their skill. They devote their time, their talent, and treasures to be the best that they can be. And similarly, we need to practice and strive to give our utmost for God. We need to devote our time, our talent, our treasures for God, for His kingdom purposes, the best that we can. And when we do, we learn that we can trust God with our very lives. And God learns that He can trust us and give more to us for His glory. So, as I go through my sermon today, the idea, the big idea I want to get across is the giving is to give generously, sacrificially, willfully, and joyfully to God and to God's kingdom purposes. And it is my prayer that God's grace and love would so penetrate our hearts that we would give freely of our time, our talents, and treasures that God has given us. Because God has given us everything, and it's our job to give back to Him and more with our best of what He's given to us and what He's created us in Him so that it glorifies Him and it causes us and other people to praise His holy name. Well, I was asked to do some things. Usually, uh, you know, I just assigned to preach. And, you know, we have lectionary readings, and I think pretty much every time I've stuck to those. Not that I couldn't go out. But today, I was told uh, to do a few things. And uh, since, you know, I listen some, and I do like to avoid pain, I've decided to obey. And one of the things I, I was told, you know, I, I'm supposed to preach, I'm supposed to uh, preach about giving finances. I'm a uh, financial officer, have always been in accounting, no matter how many times I've tried to, you know, go to school to do, do something else. I thought I really did something when I went to seminary. Business school, okay, I can see you stay in accounting. But I went to seminary, got rid of all my accounting books, and, and I'm still doing that. But, you know, thanks be to God at Los Angeles Mission, where we serve the poor and the homeless, God chose to take me down there. And then he also told me to give a little testimony of my uh, experience with uh, giving. So, here goes, that part of it. But I also want to give that because I don't want to just tell you what I think Christ, uh, the Scriptures say about giving and, and uh, I guess, exhort you in your giving without at least saying, here's what I do. And, and also an important point you know, when we think about giving generously and sacrificially, I think that really points out to there isn't a comparison. Oh, I, I gave, I gave more than uh, th- than Bill. You know, I'm super spiritual. No, 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 not at all. God looks at the heart. He looks individually at what you give, and it's you give out of what God has has given you, and it's also the way that you give. So there's not necessarily any comparison 
when it comes to giving. So, well, <clears throat> I grew up in the Episcopal Church and uh, went as a kid, stopped going for the most part from the ages of 16 to 25. And then when I returned to church at the age of 25, I would put, you know, I guess I can't remember whether it be a dollar, you know, some dollar bills, maybe only a dollar bill in the plate. And let me tell you, they weren't Jackson's or Franklin's. And, and actually, in trying to figure out which dollar was which, uh, you know, I looked up, there was the Woodrow Wilson dollar. And boy, I, Nate's smiling. He has a member of the vestry. He wishes we had a few of those because those were $100,000 bills. Um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what came up. Uh, I, you know, I gave more like Washington's and uh, Jefferson's, and I'm sure I put some coins in there. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but that was a very small, infinitesimal percentage of the income that I earned. And then about one to two years later, you know, I made a pledge. And, and I think it was probably, you know, maybe it was 2%, maybe 3% of my income, but I think I calculated it on an after-tax basis. Well, we're not going to get into the tax code, but that's what I did. Then at the age of 29, I moved to New York uh, at All Angels Church, and I started to tie it to the church a couple years later after I went there. I was in business school, so I wasn't making any money. But then once I got there, and the priests, the leaders of the church, they were teaching that we should tithe at a minimum, and the tithe being 10% of your income. So God... You know, in, in seeking God on it, I decided that I couldn't really prove them wrong, and until I could, that I would tie 10% of my gross income. So I just kind of stepped up in, in two ways. And I've been tithing, you know, to my home church ever since. And then during my 12 years in New York, I supported uh, two inner varsity uh, Christian fellowship uh, ministers, uh, missionaries at two universities in New York City. And I still support the missionaries to this day, but I don't really remember giving, you know, much to any other causes. But that has changed, especially over the last six years. Um, working at Los Angeles Mission down in Skid Row, where we, we serve the poor and the homeless, and, and we run recovery, rehabilitation programs to transform people's lives out of homelessness, poverty, drug, alcohol addiction. Uh, that has changed. And then also the financial crisis of 2008 also helped me grow in this because both Los Angeles Mission and then Los Angeles Christian Health Centers, where I also was doing financial work at the time and have remained involved as a board member, they both of them were struggling. So I started giving to both these organizations. And then there's other people here at St. David's, like uh, Father Charles at St. Michael's in the city and Father Lee in Thailand and the Hope of Jesus Orphanage in Honduras that have prompted me to give to support these, um, you know, these ministries and, and missionaries. And then there was at Fuller Seminary where I got my seminary degree in Pasadena. There was a amazing, you know, one of the li librarians. Uh, he's Indian and he ha had his own Indian orphanage, and so. You know, I, he's got me to give to him as well. And, and then also the seminary that, that did so much for me and is the reason, one of the reasons I'm standing here. So I'm just, you know, blessed for that. And that's, that's allowed me to, you know, increase my giving, you know, even, even more. Um, and this year especially, God has put on my heart, you know, one particular uh, ministry and, uh, and missionary that, that I'm really giving 
a, a lot to, and I've just been blessed by it, um, and actually even given extra resources that I had no idea I was going to get after I'd already started out on this path, which is kind of, you know, replacing, you know, that, that money that God has called me to give to this particular ministry. And I've really come to enjoy financially giving as God leads and calls. And, and in, th- I, in thinking about the, uh, the um, Hope of Jesus orphanage that, that, that I and about ten others, nine or ten others, went to two years ago in Honduras where there's extreme poverty and to see these uh, 12 or so children, it, it's just, those are some of the reasons you, you see that and how these people have no, these little kids from the ages of about 5 to 13 had no parents. I mean, they had parents, but their parents had, had abandoned them and they were living with the state. And through Mike and Kim Miller and Anna Reed, missionaries that, that we pray for and in the past, have supported financially. These, these children have hope. They have, they have Jesus being brought to them. They have food. They have a roof over their head. They have clothing. Um, they're, they're, they're schooling. They have a chance you know, to, to live and, and to thrive that they didn't have before. And, and those are some of the things that, 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 that should really juice us up about giving the resources that God has so blessed us with. I guess I've already answered why I'm telling you all this because Father Jose told me to do this. Um, and I had mentioned, you know, about giving. And when you talk about giving, and, and, and this message is going to be about giving finances, but we give our all, and that's our time, our talents, and our treasures, and our finances. But I was not asked and really don't have the time. I wasn't asked, I'll I'll keep it at that, even if I had the time. Um, I was asked to preach about finances. So it's going to be money, money, money as the theme song, the Donald Trump's Apprentice TV show begins. I I had written, used to begin, because I thought this show was over. But uh, sadly for some, it's still, uh, they're planning another season. But I did find out in looking at it, I just wanted to make sure, you know, so I didn't look like dumb on whether disappeared or not if you really like the apprentice there do you know that britain has their own version this show has been going for 10 years and i love this guy's name it's probably the main reason i'm telling you this is lord alan sugar yes lord sugar don't ask me if that's really his real name or not i don't know but he's back in the judge's chair for the 10th season to all these wannabes who want to work for him and make lots of money. But every one of them but one hears those words, you're fired. Well, there is a 250,000 pound prize that goes to the winner. To convert that to dollars, it's $400,000 that recipients get to put towards their business. So. If all any of you out here, you don't want a stewardship campaign for 2016, I suggest you go to Britain, get on that show, win, and give the $400,000 prize to St. David's. And we can have no stewardship campaign for 2016. All right? Well, I better get to the Bible, shouldn't I? Well, to properly pe- preach on the passage that, that I've been assigned, and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 to 15, I believe I need to preach on chapters 8 and 9. So buckle up. We, I don't think we have the Holy Spirit seminar, so 
we're going to be going through that verse by verse by verse. No, no, we're not. But I'm going to, and I am preaching on 8 to 9 because really 8 to 15 is part of a two, it's a two chapter, um, uh, you know, passage on the collection that the Apostle Paul is collecting for the church in Jerusalem. And he's writing to the Corinthian Christians who last year, in Paul's, not, you know, 2013 here, but almost 2,000 years ago, in the last year, the Corinthians had pledged they were going to send money to the Christians in Jerusalem. And the the Corinthian church has some affluence. They They have money and they have some wealthy people in their church. And the Jerusalem Christians are in extreme poverty and they're also suffering you know, affliction. They're in the Jewish land with Judaism. And, you know, so for their faith, they're suffering and they're, they're also poor. And they also were the ones, the Jerusalem church, because that's where the first church was, they birthed the church, the churches outside of, of Israel. And they had lived out giving their best because they sent two of their best, Paul and Barnabas, they set them out with the gospel of Jesus Christ to Gentiles around the Mediterranean Sea, including Greece, where Corinth was located. And so Paul begins this appeal by telling how the churches in Macedonia, like the Philippians being one, had unexpectedly and so generously given money to help the poor Christians in Jerusalem. Now, the Macedonian Christians, they were very poor themselves and they were suffering affliction as well but they gave and they gave beyond their means and they weren't Paul didn't start out by asking them to give Paul says that the Macedonian Christians they pleaded with us for the privilege or the the grace the human generosity to help out in the same relief effort that we were appealing to you Corinthians for as Paul says in in chapter 8, verse 5, this was totally spontaneous, entirely, the, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. So why did these poor, materially poor Macedonians take the initiative to give so generously to Jerusalem Christians whom they had never met? Paul answers this in verse 5 when he says, what explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other, financial giving, simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. This giving showed the strength of their relationship with God. And that's where generous hearts begin. And also, this type of giving realizes who is the source of all and who is the supreme motivation Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to give as God has called us to do to further God's kingdom purposes. And that's what prompts Paul in this letter to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention. Paul's writing from Macedonia, so he's going to be sending Titus and two other uh, laborers in the gospel to help close the deal. Because the Corinthians initially, last year, they were excited, they were enthusiastic but they haven't finished collecting the money offering that these Christians in Jerusalem 
desperately need. And so he brings up to them the example of the Macedonians and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he does this to try to motivate their hearts to give. He doesn't order them to give. You will give this. Kind of like, I mean, in the Old Testament, the command to tithe wasn't really optional. That is what you did. You tithe, you brought your first fruits to the altar, to the, to the temple to sacrifice and to give to God. But Paul is appealing to the love and the generosity in the people's hearts that God, the grace of God, God's mercy put there. And he knows that they're ready to do it. And he tells the Corinthians, I've even bragged about you to these generous Macedonian Christians. And and that's what helps stir them to give to the saints in Jerusalem. I want you to give from your heart that is full of love and God's grace. And I want to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses six to verses six and seven. Make sure I got the right. Yeah. Now this I say: He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. As you think, you and I think about giving, let's remember God's generosity in giving. And I like how Eugene Peterson puts it in a commentary on this uh, part of this chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in his message study Bible, when he comments, God gave because he loved the world. And as it's written in John 3.16, he loved the world so much that he gave his only, begotten, his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins so that we, should not, we who believe should not perish. There is no higher motive for Christian giving than the example God set for us when he gave his only Son. He gave the ultimate, the greatest gift, the most sacrificial gift in the history of the world. Can we give like God did? Freely and sacrificially, even delightfully, we can. Examples of such giving have occurred throughout the history of the church, beginning with the church at Corinth. It was to that church that Paul wrote of the highest motive for giving. Our money is an extension of ourselves, he argued. If the money we give isn't delightfully given, it's because we aren't delightful givers. The only way we're going to give delightfully is to give out of love. Any other motive leaves one joyless. In the long run, joyless giving does little good for Christ's kingdom and nothing for us. And Peterson says that last sentence because, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the great love chapter, uh, chapter 13, in verse 3, And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. The gifts and the grace of God, and there's that God's gracious mercy to give everything to us and to sacrifice and give Jesus Christ for us and also that grace to give people generous hearts make this world the best that it possibly can be. And the, it's the, the gifts and grace of God that bring His kingdom come on earth as it, as it is in heaven as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. 
When you give financially for the things of God, He will bless you. He will bless you spiritually. That is, that's the blessing. That's the big blessing. Yes, He can give you and, and may well give you more finances. But He gives that to you to continue to bless you spiritually and to give you more to give for His purposes and to use for His kingdom purposes. And, and for you to give as generously as you can. And of course, He also gives to us and will give to us for our financial and, and as I said, our spiritual needs. But this giving, this ministry of giving that Paul is, is writing about and speaking about is doing more than fully supplying the needs of poor Christians in Jerusalem. It's also a way for the Macedonian Christians, for the Corinthian Christians, to express their thanksgivings to God for His abundant grace, His generosity, and His gifts to us. And Paul says that the needy Jerusalem Christians will also glorify God for your obedience, Corinthian Christians, to the gospel, and for how liberally you have contributed cash to them and given them something to meet their extreme financial and poverty needs. And finally, your visible demonstration of the grace of God in you will move them to pray for you. Thanks be to God for that indescribable gift that God is giving. So what what do we want to take away from this. I kind of tipped that off in in the beginning when I talked about give generously, sacrificially, willingly, and joyfully to God and His kingdom purposes. And first and foremost, when we Christians give, we give unto God. We give to God. And when we give, and we give generously, it, it shows the love of the Lord that's in our hearts. And conversely, if we're stingy, it may indicate that that we really are not as devoted to the Lord, God, and love Him as much as we say that we do. Because we give first and foremost because God has given so much to us. He, He didn't have to do that. And He created us in His image. And we should, and He wants us to give and use all that we are and all that we have to God for His glory. And as I said, we should invest our time, our talents, and our treasures in ways that glorify God and the purposes that He's called us into. So we start by giving ourselves and our entire lives to God. And that includes the financial resources that He he gives to us. And one important way we do that is by giving a portion of our income to support the church of Jesus Christ. And like many church uh, priests and pastors and churches, we at St. David's have called our people to tithe or to give at least 10% of their income to St. David's church. And, And I strongly believe that is the minimum standard for giving to your home church. If you're visiting and this isn't your church, you know, this isn't the place that you're called to do it. But you're called to do it in the church that is your home church. If you have two churches that are your home church, you'll need to pray extra hard about that. Um, but, you know, maybe you split, you split that up. 
And I believe that the church home, your church home, is the storehouse that the prophet Malachi talks about in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, when he writes, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So, giving to your home church is a very important thing to do. But, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 because we have to deal with the passage that I have presented and have been assigned. And, and actually what I say doesn't necessarily come out of that particular passage. So the, And the Apostle Paul, in this passage, is calling us to another level of giving that's above and beyond the tithe and is much, you know, much broader you know, in its scope. And it applies to both individuals and churches like St. David's. And Paul... Obviously, he's calling us to give to the poor and the needy, both inside and outside the church and your church. That's what this, these two chapters are all about. It's a collection for the poor in Jerusalem. And Paul testifies about the generous giving of the Macedonians and then his call to the Corinthian Christians as well. So when I read this passage, I don't know how if we read and apply this passage and live out this passage, that giving solely to our home church, our giving has to go beyond that. And likewise, we as St. David's, the monies that, that come into us, the tithes and offerings, I don't know that, that, that we can just keep those inside St. David's for St. Da- uh, David's ministry and business. It would seem to me that's going against this passage. This is a collection for Christians that are in Jerusalem, a different people group at that time. These are Gentiles who are giving to Jewish Christians. And remember, the Gentiles and Jews were not too fond of each other, and, and the Jews didn't necessarily treat the Gentiles. They treated them as second, you know, as second class citizens until and as unclean until God revealed to Peter that I want you to take this gospel to the Gentiles, and it's for all people. Secondly, as I said before, give generously and sacrificially. That's the message of Paul here. So how much should we give to give generously and sacrificially? Well, I can't answer that, and Paul didn't answer that, because he didn't tell them, you give this, or you have to give. It comes out of your heart. He simply says, be committed and giving according, give according to what you have. And he said, you don't have to give out of what you don't have. So that's where I said, for each person, that's going to be different. Give what you have. Jesus praised the woman who gave two mites, who gave the smallest collection, said she gave the greatest gift because it was all that she had. It was where her next meal was coming from. So God looks at the heart. And he calls us to give sacrificially because he has so much work to do in this world. And he's got so much gospel that he wants to share with the people that he created. So 
Give generously, sacrificially, and when more money comes in, continue to give generously and sacrificially. And finally, Paul says, give willingly and joyfully. As I said, Paul didn't force them. He doesn't even goes out of his way to say, I don't want to force you to give. I'm encouraging you and I'm wanting to see you give to the needy church in Jerusalem, but I want you to give out of love in your heart and I want you to be cheerful as you're, as you're giving. And from the grace, it all flows out of the grace that God has showered upon you. And that's God's message for today. And as we think about it, you know, giving generously, sacrificially, willingly, and joyfully. I don't know about you, but I'd like to be with people who are generous and, you know, giving of themselves than with people who are selfish and and hold it in. And we want to be part of a church that's like that. And part of that is to be generous with our money and with our possessions, as God has called us to do. But as I said, and these are... This is for sermons another day, for discussions that, uh, that we may have out, outside of uh, the church service. But we're also to be generous with our time, our talents, our skills. It could be generous with the small things. It can be kindness, with encouraging words, with faith-building stories to tell. And I want to just briefly share... As I said, I, I work at Los Angeles Mission, and three times a year we have graduations um, from our 13-month recovery program. And last night, hap- we're having our graduation this Friday, and we have an, a, a, a large, large class this time, which, thanks be to God, we've had some smaller ones uh, some of our previous times. And, and the week before the Women's Center, we have 28 beds and, and for our women's program, and last night... The women always have an honors evening because they're kind of a house within a house. And, and my dad has called it a sorority house almost. But, um, and it, in some ways, for Skid Row it is because Ann and Kirk Douglas uh, have, have given, were the, the ones who began that and have given so much money and it's very well maintained. And there's only 28 of them and then they have a staff of about 11 or 12 and and since you know we deal, we have 350 beds on the men's side, and, and we kind of separate them. But last night, what they do is they call it honors evening, and they recognize and they talk about each of the seven people who are going to be graduating. And and you know I am so glad that that I went, even in spite of you know preaching a, a sermon, um, I might have just stayed home. But some of the testimonies that, that these these ladies gave were just amazing, you know, what their lives were like, you know, before. And, and there was one, the, the most powerful one, and it was really kind of heart-wrenching, this uh, uh, woman, maybe in her, somewhere in her 30s, has four children and grew up in a home that there was, was chaotic and there was violence. Her uh, stepfather would, you know, beat her mother. And then she got married, and, and, and she said, I, I expect to be married forever. Um, and she had four kids, but eight or nine years later, her husband didn't want to be married anymore and, and then you know, went to be with somebody else. And, and she had these four children, and about a year and a half later, you know, she was in deep depression and, and was even thinking of you know, committing suicide, had given her kids you know, to her mother. And you know, she had reached the bottom. And you know, she, she cried. Her mother was a praying woman, 
and she was brought to, you know, the Ann Douglas Center uh, for women. And she said, this place has saved, you know, saved my life. And she's looking forward now to being the best mother that she, that she possibly can. And, and the others that, you know, that, that spoke. The next woman who came up, I go, how do you top this? And she didn't really top it, but she came up there with such, you know, more, just much lighter. But, but then again, also, she didn't know love. And she would have been, she's about in her 30s. And she says, I, I can't even love a man. And, and yet, I, and she, you know, spoke of her fiancé, who's also a graduate of the men's program. And, and they had been engaged and then, you know, broke up. And then he called up and said, I got a program where we need to go because they've suffered from, you know, addictions to drugs and, and alcohol. And then this person didn't have love. And then she talks about, I found love at this place and just went on to say, I love all of you seven, all the people, the, work, the employees, the volunteers, all of that, just the love pouring out. And I say that because for me, those are the things that, and I really needed that. It's uh, been a tough year for me, a, a challenging year for me at work. And, and that's why I work there. So, I, you know, I, I mean, I get paid there and I'm taken care of well on the one hand, but, you know, it, it's hard work and I'm so reminded of why I'm there and then also why I give to the place as well. And, 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 and just, you know, you see lives that have been totally transformed. And I don't know about you, but that, that is something that we need and will help us, motivate us to give and, and develop, you know, the generosity in our hearts that, that Scripture calls us to, and the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, is calling us to do. And I know you've out there, you have stories, and some of you actually have been in the field doing this type of work. And we've got people that, that have left, that have gone out of St. David's, you know, that I had uh, mentioned earlier, that, that, are, that, are, that are doing this, and we give to support them and to support the work of God. And as I said, I can't tell you how much money you should give to the glory of God to support his work in the world. And I can't tell you how much you should give to your home church. I believe you should give at least 10% of your income, as I said. But in the end, you and I need to give as generously and sacrificially as God calls us to give to his church, his work, and his people in, his world, in this world. And I pray that today and for the rest of our lives that we will all give as the Lord calls us to do. Amen.